Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Let Me Fill You In, an extension of Phil at the Movies. I want to thank you, as always, for tuning in to these special uh, bonus episodes, if you will. Today, not uh, not much in the way of uh, movie news to share with you. A uh, couple uh, interesting updates I think you may find intriguing. But first off, I want to talk about this past weekend and saw two new films. Well, one is a film that I missed from a couple months ago, but uh, finally had a chance to to catch on streaming, and that is 65. It stars Adam Driver, and it's just a wild, fun dinosaur movie, to to put it bluntly. Uh, not Don't expect a lot from this movie. It, it's straightforward. It's Adam Driver essentially going back in time and facing dinosaurs or you know as someone put it to me kylo ren his uh, character from from star wars it's kylo ren versus jurassic park i mean that's basically the premise of this movie but it's a lot of fun it's a 90 minute movie so it's a quick watch but it's engaging from start to finish and adam driver always delivers a great performance and i and i thought he was fantastic in this particular film, but uh, it, it sort of reminds me of an old uh, B B dinosaur movie, a B movie, if you will, but with a with a mega budget behind it. Um, I was disappointed I didn't get a chance to to catch it when it was in theaters, but nevertheless did get a chance to to watch it on streaming and thoroughly enjoyed it. So uh, if you're a a fan of a good popcorn flick, this is definitely something right up your alley, something you can uh, sink your teeth into and uh, kind of be done with it uh, in, in a short. 90-minute span. But uh, on that note of finding something to sink your teeth into, I had a chance to catch Renfield over the weekend. And while the uh, the box office for this movie was disappointing, uh, it ended up finishing fourth uh, place uh, in the uh, in the overall numbers for the weekend. And not that that money is everything when it comes to movies but certainly you know no one wants to see a, mo- a movie do poorly or underperform but uh, and, and I have some thoughts on on why maybe this movie didn't uh, you know didn't catch fire so to speak but uh, I'm just going to start with what I thought with it because at the end of the day and I always tell this to people what matters most is not what the critics think it's not what your friends think it's not what your family thinks did you enjoy the movie were you captivated by the story were you entertained and on this particular film it's yes to all of the above renfield is a bloody good time and i emphasize the word bloody because yes it is a gore-filled carnage fest it's, it is cinematic candy if you will but it is a it's non-stop laughs and horror with nicholas cage playing dracula and he is fantastic he is fantastic if you will i'm sorry i'm really really uh, going overboard with the uh, the puns today you'll you'll excuse me but no he he was born to play this role he shines whenever he is on screen even when he's not on screen you you feel the presence of of dracula and what i liked about this movie i mean outside of 
Cage's performance and, and Nicholas Holt, uh, who uh, some of you may remember from the menu, he plays Renfield and he's just wonderful in it. He puts his own spin on the classic character and, and really brings him to life for the, the modern age. But one of the things I really liked about this film outside of the, uh, outside of the blood and the, and the humor and, and the, just the look of the film was that the movie serves as a a sequel, if you will, a direct sequel to the 1931 classic film Dracula. And so this is, of course, set in the present day, but there's a portion of the film where they go back and essentially recreate or edit in Nicolas Cage as Dracula and Nicholas Holt as Renfield, as if they were in the 1931 movie. And it was just great. It was a wonderful little way to, to send up that classic Universal Monster movie, the first of its kind. And it really did feel like Cage was doing a nice tribute to, to Bela Lugosi, the, 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 the classic Dracula, if you will. But oh, it, it's just a wonderful time. It's, it's, it's an over-the-top movie. It's, it's bloody, as I said. A lot of gore. Uh, honestly, more than I even was expecting. Uh, just, you know, you figure a, a Dracula or a vampire movie, you're going to have some blood. There's definitely a lot of blood in this film, but it, it's a it, it's a fun 90-minute uh, entertaining popcorn film uh, at the end of the day. I enjoyed it. Uh, I was disappointed, as I said, to, to see that it didn't perform quite so well uh, at the box office. And again, not that that is everything, because I, I, I do think this is a fun little film and, and it may find its audience in, in subsequent weeks or on or on streaming but a part of me wonders if this movie had been released in the fall or closer to Halloween time if it might have found its audience. Uh, marketing for this film I thought was, was okay. I think they could have done a better job at promoting this film especially given that it came from Universal Studios, which did a fantastic job just a couple months prior with Cocaine Bear, which was, again, a similar sort of uh, entertaining popcorn film with a lot of gore and a crazy concept. But uh, nevertheless, this is a this is a good film you can sink your teeth into. Quick, uh, quick uh, and straightforward to the point. A lot of humor, a lot of blood, but all in all, a really good time. And and. I've said this before on on the main show, Phil, of the movies, and I'll certainly say it again here, but it's why I like to go to the movies. I like to go for... As, you know, a piece of cinema, if you will. I also like to go for a entertaining popcorn film, and I think you can, you have to have a little bit of both. You can't uh, limit your cine, uh, cinematic palette, if you will, to just one set of films or one genre. You really have to to experience uh, all that all that movies have to offer because it's a wonderful form of storytelling. But I mean, we don't have to go off on that tangent. Everyone knows uh, just how I feel about movies and, and the like, but. That is a. That's all I saw for movies this week. Uh, just been sort of uh, you know, busy with other other projects and, and other things going on in day to day life. But uh, was definitely glad to uh, to catch those two films. Uh, one of them, uh, sixty five, of course, came out a few months ago. But you know, better late than never. And and Renfield is just a. It's a fantastic time. All right, I'll stop with the uh, with the Dracula puns uh, puns, but. Uh, any event, what else to uh, to share with you guys? All right, this one I mentioned, I think, a few weeks back. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. This is the Leonardo DiCaprio and Martin Scorsese 
film, which has been in production, it feels like, forever. But uh, it is uh, going to make its premiere at the Cannes Film Festival later this year. And I alluded uh, back on an earlier show that the runtime was looking to be over three hours. And, of course, people were losing their minds at the prospect of a three-hour movie. Well, <laughs> turns out, uh, based on what is uh, what is projected, what is estimated right now, the film's runtime is expected to be three hours and 54 minutes. Now, again, there may be some editing. There may be some tightening. But, I mean, nevertheless, uh, you're looking at at least a three-hour film. And, you know, I- I'm always amused by by the comments and people who who – lose their minds and 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 give a big thumbs down to films with a long run time. I mean, I think I mentioned earlier on an episode of Phil at the movies that the Batman has uh, been criticized for its run time. And I, I will just leave this great quote that I have uh, in my uh, in my Rolodex, if you will, of uh, amusing quotations. And it's from the late, great film critic Roger Ebert. And, and he said, no good movie is too long and no bad movie is short enough. Amen. Amen to that. Uh, now, speaking of, of films making their premiere, the long-awaited Flash movie will have its debut later this month at CinemaCon 2023. Now, for those of you who may not be familiar with CinemaCon, it's this annual event or convention for movie theater owners. It's a chance for them to see a lot of the big films that studios are more or less banking on for the year. Now, why do I mention that The Flash is making its its debut there in just a week? I mean, outside of the, the drama that has been going on behind the scenes over the last number of years, and I won't get into the uh, get into that, but uh, you can certainly look it up for yourself. Um, but this has been a film that's been a long time coming. Uh, production problems and, and development hell aside, uh, the movie will finally see the light of day this year. And, and there's a lot of anticipation, of course, because it is featuring Michael Keaton's return as Batman. Now, why I mention it's having its premiere at this really... Uh, really special convention that's only reserved for for select films that that studios generally have a lot of faith in and and feel will make an impact and 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 connect with with the general audience last year at this time top gun maverick premiered at this same convention and that was ahead of its wide release later in the spring and i think based on critics and audiences reactions to top gun that was something special. It is something special. And so there is reason to believe that The Flash, which, as I said, is noted for bringing back Michael Keaton and has been touted by by many individuals in the industry, including Tom Cruise and uh, director James Gunn, who is heading up the DC studio front. He's called it one of the greatest comic book movies of all time. This is James Gunn. So there's a lot of reason to believe that this film, like Top Gun Maverick, may have a similar fate with connecting with the general audience and really being this this mega hit of the spring and summer. But, of course, only time will tell and we shall see uh, what happens. But uh, I will definitely be covering that uh, on my regular show as well as the the show DC Unlimited, which I co-host with my two friends, Anthony Caruso and Chris Evans. And you can check that out uh, every, every two weeks or so. We drop a new episode and we actually just dropped one last week. So uh, if that is a, that's your fancy, you can check that out as well and get all the latest DC – 
news, uh, specifically Batman and, and the like, uh, for your, uh, for your listening pleasure. But, um, one more interesting, uh, item that I wanted to cover, and this actually kind of ties in with something I'm doing with, uh, an episode this week on Phil at the Movies. Uh, premiering this Friday is Ari Oster's third film. It's Bo is Afraid. Now, Bo is Afraid has had a limited release over the last uh, week or so, and just last weekend it made its uh, its sort of limited opening uh, release in four theaters in, in Los Angeles and in New York, and from four theaters it made over $80,000, resulting in a, a gross thus far of 320000 making it the most successful and one of the biggest openings for an indie film this year. Now, this movie is expected to be divisive but intriguing nevertheless, given that it is directed by uh, Ari Oster, who did not only Hereditary, but uh, a film that uh, I find to be uh, extremely compelling and, and thought-provoking, Midsommar. And, of course, this new film stars Joaquin Phoenix. And uh, on Friday's show, I'm going to be revisiting uh, Ari Oster's two, uh, first two films, Hereditary and Midsommar, and just covering them in, in sort of building up anticipation and excitement for uh for Bo was afraid. But uh just on that on that the the, the box office uh number, that's really good for a film uh, of this kind to to have that sort of limited uh wide reaction. And you know, reviews that have come out, they're sort of uh, all over the place. It's definitely going to be a divisive film. Um, uh, you know, the, the, these his other two movies definitely are, are in that are in that same uh, in that same canon. But uh, I'm I'm excited about it because it stars one of my favorite actors, Walking Phoenix, and it, it just looks like such a a twisted and, and subversive film that I have a feeling is going to. Present itself as going one way, and then we'll ultimately zigzag and go uh, another way. But uh, I will be uh, covering that uh, that movie in full on a future episode of Phil with the Movies. But uh, if uh, if Ari Aster's uh, work is your uh, is your is your thing, is your flavor, I'll be uh, reviewing and, and looking back at his two uh, first films on this week's episode of Phil with the Movies. But for now, that's all I have for Let Me Fill You In. I'll be back next week, same time, same place. Take care, everybody.